Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles once again to the book of Ephesians. We're uh, continuing in our study. And if you're like me, there's a a crease growing in your Bible in Ephesians and in Revelation. Uh, We've been looking at those two books of the Bible on a regular basis. And uh, we've been making an effort to uh, do everything that we can to understand uh, that Scripture by going through it verse by verse. And uh, so we're once again in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's join together for prayer. Dear gracious Lord and Father, we thank You so much for uh, Your great goodness and love and mercy. And we praise You for uh, the blessings that You've given us. Lord, we praise You for the Spirit of God that uh, lives in us and through us. And Lord, we just praise You, Lord, for uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by uh, for the Scripture that we might study it, know it, and make it a part of our life. And Lord, we just pray that You'll help us as we study this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 5, and we're looking once again at verse 18. Uh, we're not uh, dealing with uh, the first part of the verse, but rather the second part of the verse. The last couple of weeks we've been looking at uh, the command of uh, be not drunk with wine, for it is an excess. And we, uh, we understood that and we looked at that. And, and what we understood when we uh, first started looking at this passage of Scripture was that uh, Paul, in writing to the church at Ephesus, was making a comparison, a contrast between uh, the pagan lifestyle of getting uh, overwhelmed with drunkenness, of the pagan lifestyle of, of uh, using uh, wine and, and, and debauchery to, uh, to get uh, 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 closeness to the pagan gods. And uh, he's saying that's not the way that in which we're to live. We're not to live in that way. We're not to be drunk with wine, it says, uh, because it is an excess. And, and we talked about the fact that that word excess is the Greek word esotia, and it means a debauchery, a, a, a hopelessness. And that's really what it is uh, for these pagan worshipers and anyone who tries to, uh, to uh, escape from the world of reality and the things that are going on. Um, for them, it is a hopelessness. It is a, a hopelessness that, that is found uh, in being consumed by uh, that drunkenness. And he says, But be not drunk with wine, what it says in verse 18, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And we're going to talk about being filled with the Spirit today. And, and uh, this is a... a a uh, topic that for some people they get confused and they get uh, unaware of of the realities of what is going on. Uh, First of all, let me uh, talk about the comparison between being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. And 
what we, if we look at Luke chapter 1 verse 15, uh, this is the passage of Scripture in which it's, it's talking about the birth of uh, John the Baptizer, John the Baptist, and, and it says uh, he along with other people that uh, throughout the history of Israel uh, was to take a, a vow of no strong drink. And that was so that he would never be uh, 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 influenced by anything other than the Spirit of God. It says uh, for John that he's not to ever touch anything, uh, no strong drink or wine at all. In Acts chapter 2, we see uh, the apostles after the Spirit of God comes upon them. In verse 4, they begin to speak in other languages and other tongues and they begin to share the gospel uh, with people that are there from literally around the world. And as they're sharing the gospel, people look at them and they say, well, these guys, they must be drunk because the languages didn't uh, make sense to them. And they, uh, that was the, uh, the assumption was is that they were involved in pagan worship and that they had been drinking the new wine uh, uh, early in the morning and, and that they were overcome with this wine. And, and Peter stands up and he says, uh, they are not drunk, but they have been filled with the Spirit of God. And so uh, we, uh, we see that in verse um, uh, 12, that they were amazed and astonished at what was going on when they realized that it was the Spirit of God that had moved them and had caused them to go out and to be able to speak in these other languages. So, uh, and in verse 15, he says, uh, like I said, Peter says, this is the filling of the Spirit. uh, And it is a contrast between uh, pagan worship and real worship. These apostles that had been filled with the Spirit, they had a real worship of God. They had a real relationship with God, a relationship that, that caused them to be changed and, and not the same way. And this is a very uh, stark cro- contrast to those who had been involved in pagan worship. And then we, uh, we see this command of God, be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5. It says to be filled with the Spirit. And what God is calling us to is a true worship of God, a true understanding of a relationship with God, uh, to have uh, um, an opportunity for God to use us and to, and to change our lives uh, at a fundamental level. Now, you remember we've been talking about uh, the book of Ephesians for some time and we talked about how it, you could look at the book of Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3 of building uh, uh, building up this uh, amazing sports car. And we used that analogy before about how in chapters 1, 2, and 3 it, it talks about how we are, uh, uh, who we are as Christians how we are in our relationship to God, how we are in our uh, life. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 are all about getting uh, that uh, high-performance vehicle going and going down the the right pathway and the right uh, way. And we talked about walking in wisdom. We talked about walking in truth. And we talked about uh, walking in unity. And this is the aspect of that high-performance vehicle being filled with the Spirit is like the gas. It is the, uh, what we put into the tank to be able to get it going and get moving, as we talked about last week, and, and how it is the, tank, uh, the gas that fills the tank, that high-performance uh, mix of gas that, that gets us going. And so we looked at the contrast... 
And uh, looking at the command today, we're going to look at that command and we'll talk about the consequences uh, at another time. But today the command, be filled with the Spirit. Uh, the Greek has uh, different tenses and different moods. And, and I, I understand right away when I start talking about uh, uh, the usage of certain words that sometimes it, it, uh, you, uh, some people just blank over in terms of not understanding. But we understand a lot about what is being said by examining the tense of words that are being used. Um, is uh, there's a couple of different ways in which things are said. First of all is the indicative mood. That is the mood uh, uh, that is making a statement. Uh, an indicative mood is, is stating something like the sky is blue. Uh, that is the type of, uh, when you make a statement like that, it is, it is making a statement that doesn't hold any uh, thing other than making a statement about what is happening or or something that is in life, uh, but you also have the imperative mood. That is what we find here in verse uh, uh, chapter eight, verse um, uh, chapter five, verse eighteen, when he says, "Be filled with the Spirit." We have an imperative, and that is a uh, form of of sentence or a form of a word that is used to, to it is a command, it is something that we uh, should do. It's not a suggestion, it's not a statement of, of well, you have the Spirit uh, when you become a Christian. Uh, this is a, a command, something that we're called to do. It's not an option. True Christianity or true Christian uh, doesn't live uh, in constant, uh, a constant life without the Holy Spirit. A true Christian uh, does not live in a content Christian life without um, uh, the Holy Spirit. We must not deny the Holy Spirit in our life, but rather we should allow the Holy Spirit to come into our life, to allow the Holy Spirit to uh, have control in our life. And that's what we're talking about here is uh, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit. Uh, you have a couple of different Christian uh, uh, Christian groups or Christian people that, that want to sit, merely get saved and then just sit back and wait for the rapture or wait for God to take them home at the end of their life. Uh, and, and that's not how we should live. Uh, you got... Really, you have... Uh, uh, on one side, you have people that are uh, that are in the world, the natural people. Those people are without Christ. Then you have people on the other side that are filled with the Spirit of God, that are truly uh, Christians, that have a right relationship with Christ. And this group in the middle that wants to come along and say, "Well, I'll accept." salvation in my life, but I don't want to be forced to do anything. I don't want to be told how to live. I don't want uh, anyone to tell me I can't do this or can't do that. Uh, those are, are what we call carnal Christians. Those are people who have a relationship with Christ, but they don't want to allow Christ to, to live in them and to, and to guide them and direct them in their life. Uh, this uh, word filled is a command. We are, every Christian is to have the Holy Spirit within their life. Every Christian is to have a relationship 
with Christ and to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with uh, all His fullness. Every Christian, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, uh, this is what the word filled means. When you, are, uh, when you become a, a child of God, when you accept Christ into your life, uh, you don't have to go out and do something different in order to have the Holy Spirit in your life. When you accept Christ into your heart and life, all of the Holy Spirit, all of His fullness, all that He is, comes into you and uh, uh, takes up dwelling within you and you have a relationship with God the Father, you have a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This happens when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 uh, gives us an example of that. Uh, in that passage of Scripture, it says, uh, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And if so be that, the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So what he's saying here in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, uh, You are no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. When you accept Christ into your life, you become uh, a... a uh, uh, you dwell in the Spirit. You uh, uh, are no longer living as you once lived, but you are a part of the Spirit of God. And it, uh, if you are a part, if the Spirit of God dwells in you uh, at that point, and He says He goes to uh, even to the extreme. If you don't have the Spirit of God within you. If the Spirit of God doesn't dwell within you, if the Holy Spirit doesn't come into your life, then you're not one of His children. You're not a child of God. So uh, if you're one of these people that, uh, that have heard uh, people talk about, well, I, I'm, I just need to, uh, I don't have the Spirit of God on me or I don't have a feeling of the Holy Spirit upon me, uh, then you, you need to check your relationship with God, your relationship with Him. and uh, Because when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit upon you. You're not saved without the Holy Spirit upon you. Verse 7 uh, says uh, this. He says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So what he's saying is, if you if you are... A carnal person, if you don't have Christ within you, then you're, you're not saved and the carnal mind has no relationship to God, has no relationship to the Holy Spirit, and you are not with Christ. You don't have a relationship to Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 uh, puts it this way. Let's see here. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. We are all a part of the body of Christ. When we accept Jesus into our heart and life, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are all caused to drink into one Spirit. No matter who we are, no matter what background we've had, no matter what uh, circumstances that we've been living under, under whatever reason, we are all a part of the body of Christ. We're all believers and we have all taken in the Spirit of God. Uh, so uh, we are all part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
in our life is when we accept Christ into our life. As soon as we accept Christ into our life, we are part of the body of Christ and we all possess the Holy Spirit. So you're, when you're put into the body of Christ, you have no uh, part in that. The Holy Spirit does that. You don't do that by doing anything. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, that is something that the Holy Spirit does in you. Makes you a part of the body of Christ and you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. 1 Corinthians 6.19, turn back a page or so. 1 Corinthians 6.19 um, says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Now what was happening here was is that uh, the church at Corinth had people within the church uh, defiling their bodies. They were going and still continuing in the worship of pagan gods and, and in that practice of worshiping pagan gods, they uh, uh, went into temple prostitutes and, and uh, went into the fornication of, with these temple, temple prostitutes. And Paul was saying, don't you realize that as a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and when, what you do with your body, with your uh, in, in your body, you are uh, taking the Holy Spirit along with you. The presence of the Holy Spirit is with you. And whenever you do sin, whenever you do those things, you're taking the Holy Spirit along with you. Ephesians chapter 4, 30, uh, verse 30, puts it this way. It says, uh, Grieve not the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't do things that would uh, defile the Spirit of God's presence in your life. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says... Quench not the, the Holy Spirit in your life. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, um, For I am crucified with Christ. This is the, uh, the whole meaning of, of what it means to be a, a Christian. When we accept Christ into our life, we're crucified with Christ on the cross of Calvary. Though we don't die like Christ died on that cross, we die to ourselves. He says, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm alive because of what Christ has done for me, because of what Christ has done in me. What Christ, uh, because Christ has taken my place, I live. He says, I've been crucified. I live, but not I living, but Christ lives in me. When we accept Christ into our heart and life, it's like Christ is, has the opportunity to live in our place. That we, uh, when He took His our place on the cross of Calvary, then we are not punished for our sin. When we accept Christ into our life, we take uh, His place on the cross of Calvary, and we are uh, uh, we don't live, but Christ lives in us. He comes and dwells within us and we uh, have the opportunity for Christ to live in us and through us and allow us to serve Him uh, in our place. Uh, and that's the unbelievable thing about being a Christian is that Christ would uh, dwell within us, that the Holy God of all of the universe, the, the Creator of all that is, desires to not only have a relationship with me, but dwells within me, allows me to have that. That's how close our relationship is to God when we accept Him into, into our life, is that He dwells within us. He dwells within the believer. And... Uh, 
John chapter 7, verse 37 says that whoever believes drinks of the living water, we, when we drink that living water, we, we have the presence of God within us. We're not commanded. Uh, I want you to understand a couple of things about our relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. We're never commanded anywhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to be baptized by the Holy Spirit because it is something that automatically happens when we accept Christ into our life. You're not the one who uh, does this. You're not the instigator of this. You're not the one that that performs this. The Holy Spirit baptizes you... uh, into the, the, the body of Christ when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so therefore, you're never commanded to be baptized by the Holy Spirit because it happens when you are saved. Secondly, you're never commanded to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit because, uh, because again, that is something that the Holy Spirit does when you accept Christ into your life and you, uh, uh, you have that promise guaranteed and it is fulfilled. I want to talk to you about a second, another aspect that says be filled. This word literally means <coughs> that we are to be <coughs> kept being filled. In, in, in literal sense, if we were to, to write out this verb as it is written, it is be being filled. It is a perpetual thing. It is something that continues to happen. It is continually happening in our life. It is a word that that is uh, means a constant filling. So when you accept Christ into your life, you're not filled at that moment, and then that's all over. It's never. Uh, uh, going on in your life it's never happening anymore you might be saying well well preacher i understand all that but there are times where i just don't really feel like i have a relationship with god i don't have a relationship with the holy spirit because my my life's not uh filled with the same kind of excitement i had when i first accepted christ as lord and savior uh pastor there's uh, there's times i just feel uh cruddy and i just don't feel like i have a relationship with god i I do things that I'm not supposed to do and I, I really don't feel like I, I'm in a good relationship with God. Uh, that's all beside the point. You're constantly being filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is constantly filling you. It is not something that you do. It's not something that you cause to happen or, or that you can find at a certain point by going to a, a particular church or hearing a certain sermon uh, that all of a sudden you're being filled with the Spirit of God that you weren't filled before. You don't go to a, a revival service and pray, God, uh, fill me with the Spirit because the Spirit's already full in your life. You're already filled with the Spirit. You can't be more full of the Spirit. It is constant. It's like the earth has a certain amount of air and oxygen in the earth, right? There's an atmosphere around the earth. There's a certain amount of oxygen in that atmosphere. It's constantly being filled up by uh, when we breathe out oxygen what happens it's turned into carbon dioxide uh, carbon monoxide that carbon monoxide is then uh taken by 
uh, plants and it is uh, breathed in, uh, in a sense, by those plants and it turns that back into oxygen. Uh, that's a constant cycle. It's constantly being happening. Now, can we fill the earth any more with oxygen than it already is filled? It's full. It's constantly being filled. It's constantly full. And that's how we are with the Holy Spirit. We are always being filled with the Holy Spirit. The difference is is that is how much you allow the Spirit of, of God to have influence in your life. That is the difference. That's the key. And what we're being told here is not to allow strong drink and wine and all, all these outside influences, pagan uh, rituals, all these things in our life that once were a part of our life before to have influence in our life. But we're asked to we're being commanded to have the Holy Spirit to have influence in our life. We're being filled constantly by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is within us. And it is a matter of... The only difference is, is if I'm willing to allow the Spirit of God to speak to my heart, to speak to me, and to, and to guide me and allow me to, uh, uh, to hear His voice and to follow Him. You see, obedience... Obedience is the key. It's the whole thing. It's the whole shooting match. The Holy Spirit's always there. The Holy Spirit, just like oxygen's always there. But guess what? You can choose not to breathe, right? You can sit there and hold your breath, or you can put a bag over your head or whatever, and, and oxygen all of a sudden isn't coming in, right? But if you take that bag off or you do whatever you have to do to allow uh, uh, exposure to oxygen and you allow your lungs to be filled with the oxygen, it comes into your body and it uh, gives you life. You have a choice of whether or not to breathe. It means death if you don't, by the way. And as a Christian, you have a choice of whether or not to have the Holy Spirit to affect your life. The Holy Spirit's always there. If you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, we've already established this, you already have the fullness of the Holy Spirit within your life. But what you do control is is whether or not you allow the Holy Spirit to influence you. You say, I I don't understand that. I, I don't get that. I don't really realize what you're talking about. Okay. When you go up and you're talking to somebody about whatever, uh, uh, here's something that that really gets people sometimes. I, I'll uh, my family, and I'm sorry to pick on my family, but uh, it, it's really picking on me. Whenever I go and I'm standing uh, at a, you know, if we go on a trip or something, and, I, and we're standing at a, a fast food place or something, and we're standing beside somebody every once in a while. Uh, I'll just look over to the person that's standing in line with us and I'll say, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. You doing all right? Yeah. Um, And my my family, they don't understand that. They're all quiet people. They all tend to not want to talk to anybody. They don't get what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. Uh, Last night we were out somewhere in Thomasville and guy drove by and he said, hey, how you doing? Waved at me. And I said, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And, and they're like, why are you doing that? I said, well, he, he started it. But, you know, what, what it is, 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 is God gives us opportunities to speak to people, gives us openings. And when the Holy Spirit will uh, tap you on, the, on your heart and He'll say, you know, 
there's this person right beside you standing right here. I brought you together. Of all the places in all the world that you could be standing, you're standing right beside another person that I have brought from all the places in all the world to be standing right beside you. And guess what? They need to hear what you have to tell them about my love. And I have got them so ripe and so ready to hear what you have to say. They may be going through some kind of tragedy in their life. They may be going through some kind of period of doubt or questioning. They may be going through a period of time where they're searching for answers and they're crying out to God, God, if you're there, please let me know. Please help me to find the answer. And guess what? God has put you right beside them at that very moment with the answer that they're looking for. Now you have a choice. Are you going to listen to the Holy Spirit and speak to them and say, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Let me tell you something about why... Somebody asked me the other day, Why are you always so happy? Why are you always going around just talking to people and smiling and having such a happy spirit in your life? I said, Thank you, God. That's my moment. That's the moment you established for me. And I said, let me tell you why I'm so happy. God has blessed me so much. And we have the opportunity every day, every, every moment of our life to either follow His leading, allow the Holy Spirit to move us and, and guide us, or to reject it. The feeling of the Spirit is passive. It is something that is happening regardless of what you do. The Holy Spirit is filling your life. He is constantly filling you. He is there. His presence is there. The question is, do you have other things that are obscuring His voice in your life? Are you being so wrapped up in your job? Are you being so wrapped up in the things that you... Listen, there are so many things that we can have in our life that can occupy our time and just waste countless hours. People talk about, hey, I just don't have any time to do anything. Really? How many hours do you sit watching TV at night? How many hours do you sit uh, uh, looking at, at Facebook? How many hours do you sit uh, looking at, at uh, Snapchat or, or Instagram or whatever? Uh, uh, you name it, it's out there. we got all kinds of things. Playing video games. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with playing video games. There's nothing wrong with looking at, at for... Uh, in general, at looking at Facebook or whatever, but if you allow it to control your life, it's as wrong as drinking wine because it's controlling your life and keeping you from doing the things God wants you to do. Well, you know, I, I, I do what God wants me to do. Really? Uh, yeah, this afternoon, the, the devil's going to work hard on me because I'm going to want to sit around and do nothing for the rest of the day. But when 6 o'clock comes, I'm going to be here for discipleship training. I have a choice. Either I follow God and allow Him to lead me to discipleship training so I can go out and share with others about why they need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ or I can sit in my house and I can say, you know, I'm really tired. I've worked a long week. I've, had, I've worked almost 50 hours this week. I'm tired. I don't feel like going. I'll just stay here. 
Oh, it looks like it's going to rain. Well, I'm just going to sit at home. It's too cold. It's too, it's too sunny. It's too, it's too nice. You can allow any excuse. But the Holy Spirit is, uh, is always there feeling you and giving you what you need. You receive the action of the filling of the Holy Spirit. It is present tense. He is constantly in the process of filling you. <coughs> moment by moment by moment, He is filling you. Now, I want to talk to you about two more things. Really, it's one word. It's pleru. The filling of the Holy Spirit. This word pleru is a Greek word that is kind of like, uh, it means filled, be filled, being filled. But I want you to look at it in a couple of different ways. So many times when we think about the Holy Spirit filling us up or filling us, we think of like, the first thing we think of, at least for me, is a glass. I think about a glass of water. Either the glass is empty or it's full. It's, it's got water in it or it doesn't have any water in it. Uh, some of us are walking around like our glasses in the strainer and, and we're trying to get everything out. But uh, that's the image that we get. Either the Spirit of God is filling us or it's, uh, we're empty. This word, pleru, really is more like uh, the word of filling, like <clears throat> a sailboat with a sail sitting out. When you think about a sailboat on a lake or somewhere and, and just think about that big sail that comes up on the mast and they pull that sail up and they uh, let it unfurl and it begins flapping in the wind because the wind is, is hitting it and buffing it. But then they pull it tight and just so, so that the wind is hitting it. And guess what? All of a sudden, boom, it fills up with air. And it begins to push the, the boat, right? It pushes that sailboat across the lake. Now, that sail is full of air, but guess what? It's constantly being filled. It is something that the sail doesn't do because the sail is just there, but the wind is what's filling it. That's the same way as the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is like that wind filling the sail. Pleru is that word meaning to be filled like that. Is that that wind is hitting the sail and it is doing it has effect on that boat, right? First of all, it is uh, being carried along by the wind. That wind, the whole purpose of putting the sail up is so that the wind will fill it, and the wind is pushing that sailboat across the lake. And that's what the Holy Spirit is to do. Is The Holy Spirit is to carry us along, to move us, to go and do things, to move us and have us involved with... <coughs> excuse me. Have us involved with other people to carry us from place to place so that we might be useful for, the Spirit, uh, for God in our life. We're to be filled and have the Holy Spirit carry us along. Secondly, it is a permeation. It is something that is, in another sense, it's like salt. And we're told that we're like salt and light, and, and, we're, and that's an illustration that's used many times in the Bible. But think about salt. When you, add, <clears throat> when you have a, a pot of stew going on in the, on the, uh, on the stove, uh, when you add salt to it, a little bit of salt 
to make it uh, taste a little better. That salt doesn't just stay in that one spot where it hit. Uh, that salt, when you put it in and you stir uh, the pot a little bit, that salt permeates the whole thing. It affects the whole thing. It doesn't. You don't have certain parts of the soup that is or stew that's affected by the salt, and other areas that's not. It permeates the whole thing. The Holy Spirit is to permeate our life and to have such a, a difference on our life that it it, it is uh, uh, consuming in our life. And thirdly, again, it is about control. It's key to the whole idea of the Holy Spirit in our life. It is, uh, we are to be filled to the point of God having control in our life. Um, and so often we understand that um, most importantly uh, in illustrations in the Bible. Uh, in the Bible, in Mark chapter uh, 4, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 1, verse 12 or Luke chapter 4, verse 1, or uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, uh, Jesus is has gone and He is uh, uh, being baptized by John the baptizer. And the, uh, the voice of God speaks and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, listen to what He has to say. The Holy Spirit comes and lights upon Him like a dove, and, and He is filled with the Spirit. And the, and the Bible says at that point that uh, the Spirit moves Jesus into the wilderness. And in that wilderness is where Jesus will go for 40 days and 40 nights without food or water. It's in that wilderness that in, that, in the midst of that trial of, of being separated from other people and, and being alone by himself and, and going without food and water that Satan comes and tempts Jesus to take the easy route away from uh, following after God and following God's plan for his life and going to the cross of Calvary. Jesus knows what's coming. More importantly, Jesus knows what Satan's trying to do. But that doesn't mean that the temptation was less uh, impactful in his life. Think about this. Jesus was at the beginning of his ministry. Satan comes and says, look, you don't have to go through all this. I know you've been without sin all this point up until now, but isn't it getting kind of tiring? Isn't Isn't it getting kind of old? Don't you wish you could just lash out at somebody when they do something wrong. Those Romans, they're just nasty people. Don't you, don't you wish you could just lash out at them? And he says, you know, Jesus, uh, that cross is awfully bad. Now, of course, Satan didn't understand or know the cross is coming, but he said, you know, you, you could have it easy, Jesus. Instead of going to all this trouble to be the Savior of the world, hey, just, just bow down and worship me. Just bow down and I'll give you everything you see. Everything. Jesus, you know, I know it's so hard being here without any food or water. I know you're kind of hungry and thirsty. Kind of like you are right now, but on a much larger scale. And when I start talking about, you know, sizzling steak or whatever, y'all say, oh, stop doing that. We're hungry. Here's Jesus. He's been 40 days and 40 nights without food and water. And, and Satan says, hey, you know, all these rocks that are just everywhere, all over the place. You know, with one word, you could change all of them to, to bread. You, you'd have, eat all the bread you want. You'd be so full. It'd just, oh, it'd just be so wonderful. 
instead of, of going to the cross and dying on the cross, hey, just jump off the top of the temple. Just jump off and, and before you even hit the ground, uh, God will send His angels to, 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 to keep you from crashing to the ground. And Hey, that'll be something that everybody will know and everybody will see. And, and I guarantee you that everybody will worship you because they'll know you're God then. You'll, you'll have an entrance like the Messiah is supposed to have of being lighting down with angels uh, bearing you up. Won't that be so much easier than going and doing all the hard work of trying to, to win people to know you and accept you? Here's Jesus going into the wilderness and had, going through all of those temptations. And each time Jesus points to the Word of God. He's filled, being filled with the Spirit of God by being, having a constant diet of the Holy Word of God and God's influence upon His life to where He will follow God. That's what we need to have in our life. You're constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. You're constantly having an influence of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Will He carry you along? To where he wants you to go. Will you allow him to influence your life and allow you to, to share with others the message of Christ? Will you allow him to influence you to keep you from sin? That's the question. If you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit. But what are you doing? Are you being obedient? Are you allowing him? have control in your life? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to move you to speak to others, to share the love of God, to, allow, to live the life that you're supposed to live? Not allowing the things of this world to have influence, but allowing the Spirit of God to fill you up and have influence on you. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, I praise You and thank You for Your influence in our life. I thank You for Your guidance and leading us and teaching us and, and enabling us to share the wonderful Word of God. And Lord, I just pray that You'd help us to be influenced by Your Spirit. Allow Your Spirit to move us and direct us. Lord, help us to be Your people. Lord, help us not to allow the world to influence us. But allow Your Spirit to move within us. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that just says, I just don't feel the Spirit of God in me. Maybe I don't have Christ living in me. I pray that today that they would accept You as Lord and Savior. Lord, if there's someone here today that has been going throughout their life and they've just been doing anything and everything they wanted to do and they haven't allowed Your Spirit to to move them and guide them. Lord, that they would surrender to You today. Allow You to guide them and allow Your Spirit to have influence in their life. Lord, I pray that, that in each of us, Lord, that You would inspire us and encourage us to allow your, You to move us and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>